and welcome to Repertory Screenings episode 41. I'm your host, and with me are my regular co-host, Jackson. Hello, 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 hello. And Destiny. Hey, hey, hey. And we're here to talk about movies. Woo! Woo! I'm pretty sure I told everyone that they had to watch a movie before next time. So who's what? Jackson, I, you're the one person I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you've seen a movie. You, I've seen a movie. I've seen a couple oh, movies. Oh, right. You you went down uh, the, the sad, realist cinema hole a little bit. Well, I watched one more Ken Loach movie. Yes. That's enough. That's one more. Which one? There's <laughs> one more love. Yeah, no, I watched the movie Fatherland, uh, which Ken Loach doesn't like. It's one of the ones he's like, yeah, I fucked that one up. It's about um, a musician from East Germany who is like exiled for doing political music and then comes to the West and uh, it sucks there. It's about how bad it is in the West. Um, and that's, it was fun. It was a good movie. Kind of takes a turn at some point. It takes a bit of a weird turn um, into, I guess, I mean, I can say, I can say what the turn is. If, yeah. If anyone's going to watch. Sure. I'm curious. Uh, the Ken Loach movie, Fatherland. So initially, um, it's about this and he's like just living his life and, uh, you know, being followed by the, um, uh, by the police just because he's like a, this musician and it's like kind of like the background of his life and he's like followed by the police here and I'm followed by the shitty record executives here. There's nothing, there's nowhere, it's all bad. Um, uh, and, <laughs> and then uh, like three quarters of the way, well halfway through the movie he like runs off with his journalist to find his dad because he's like... He, he does not want the record executives to be in his life. He doesn't want this contract anymore. Uh, and then it turns out that um, his dad, who is also who also defected, didn't defect for the same reasons. He is like a uh, Nazi PMC in hiding. <laughs> and wow. <laughs> Nobody doesn't like this movie. That's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. It like handles his turn fairly well because it starts being about like the like very obvious like oh when I was in East Germany I was followed by the secret police but now I am followed by the like awful trappings of capitalism. There is no freedom and becomes about how like uh, this guy who is like pretty staunch communist like his criticisms of East Germany are from the left so no wonder he's not happy in him uh in in uh, West Germany as uh, so that becomes him like rec- reckoning with like the violence of like his past by like going up to his dad who was also like willing to do violence for the Nazis and being like that's a di- that's a different thing it means that you can't just say that oh you're a fucking soldier and be like oh it's okay that I'm here living in in England uh you know growing old but anyway he does that with like a weird young French journalist as they go on a road trip <laughs> Nazi hunting road trip uh and they're too late the the uh. The, the Americans get to him first and they cover it up and it's all a sad ending. And he just goes back to his musician life. So yes, no wonder he doesn't like it because ludicrous plot. Absolutely this, this ludicrous. Is just, this is just the leftist version of uh, Girl the Dragon Tattoo to me. <laughs> you describe it. <laughs> you should watch this movie. So, but the movie itself, like most of the scenes in it are like, you know, Ken Loach realist, sad leftist movie um, that are pretty good. So I enjoyed watching it. But yes, it does have <laughs> that hilarious turn. Uh, which I, you know, thought was worth ruining here. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was worth it because I thought it was hilarious. 
the turn is handled more gracefully than I brought it up, but no, it is still but it's, that. It's, it's, it's extremely like Twitter posting of like, oh yeah, like someone who's like critiquing like any sort of socialist country, like, oh, my family had to leave and you like scratch it for a second, turns out their grandfather is a fucking Nazi. Yes. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, uh, this, cause basically the son's like, oh, I guess we're all followed by the secret police, but no, he's being followed by the secret police because they're trying to track down a Nazi. <laughs> Good, good, good. Did you watch anything else? I thought you watched something else, but I don't remember what it was now. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I watched, like, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, that's a great movie. That's a good movie. Because, like, seven million years ago, I was like, I'll go through my film things in order, and I decided not to do that. I was like, fuck this. And then I was like, what are the actual early films I do want to watch in this library, and not just things I downloaded from YouTube that I'll never have? Uh, so I deleted a bunch of things from my uh, thing. I was like, I'll just watch that. And it was fucking great. Yeah, it's really good. Unsurprisingly. You're that's like, a man, great movie. You're like, man, Tim Burton's a fucking hack. Hasn't invented anything his entire goddamn life. <laughs> yeah, like, I've seen a lot of things right, inspired by German Expressionism. Because yes. it's like a very... Expressionism, because it's a very influential genre. Uh, but damn, they just did it all. Day one. Yeah. No, they just figured it out. Uh, it's, yeah, it's good. Like it's the movie so a lot. good. I've seen it multiple times. Uh, in theaters, I think I've seen it twice. Once normally and once with, like, live music. It's good. Nice. Miss theaters uh, in the Discord. We were talking the other week about theater experience. I fucking miss going to the movies so much. Me <laughs> yes. too. Doesn't oh matter if the goodness. movie's good or not. Could be bad Doesn't movies. Matter. I don't care. I just I just want to get out of the house and go to a fucking movie theater. Yeah. Maybe twenty twenty two. Fingers crossed. Late twenty twenty two. Mid twenty twenty two. I don't know. It depends on whether or not uh, everyone getting vaccinated like actually helps or not, or if new strains crop <laughs> whether up. it just leads to a vaccine resistant strain. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um. Anyway, um. I uh watched the cleansing hour, which I was on Shutter. I'm like, I just need a dumb movie to put in my face, and this is a 2019 horror film about a guy. Uh, who purports to be a Catholic priest, but he's not, um, who does a live stream where he does like staged exorcisms as like his hustle, like just like this ridiculous show where he's like selling prayer cloths and uh, they have a bunch of special effects of this like weird, crazy exorcisms every week or whatever. And he's got like this fan base and he's mad. He's hard. He's struggling because he can't seem to build into a career. He's like, oh, we have an audience, but it's not enough to live off of. Do you want to guess what <laughs> this movie's version of successful but not enough to live off of streaming video to the Internet is? <laughs> What? He has, uh, he's mad because Instagram, uh, which isn't verified, uh, he needs a blue check on his Instagram, his no! fake Instagram, uh, only has 500,000 followers, but also no! his, his videos get 500,000 concurrent streaming views. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which this is the fucking if you, uh, if you my got dad's a Nazi PMC for views, you're like living in the biggest mansion I've ever heard of. <laughs> yeah. God. He's in the TikTok mansion. Yeah, he's in the TikTok mansion. Um, anyway, uh, his whole crew is like a bunch of dysfunctional assholes because it's a modern horror movie. And it turns <laughs> out that they end up hooking a real demon who's super pissed about uh, him doing all these fake exorcisms and like purporting to be like this holy man when they're all evil and sinners and whatever. And uh, so they have to like confess to the, the live stream all the things that they faked and bullshit's happening and it ends really stupidly where do you, do you mind if I smell this Dustin you're not gonna watch this are no, you let's, 
Okay. No, yeah. I'm not going to watch it. It ends really ridiculously where they, they think they've expelled the demon from uh, the the woman who's uh, the, cr- the crew member who's defined by being the woman <laughs> um, who the main guy who wanted to be a priest slept with before. And she's actually about to be engaged to his like tech guy who's like the actual only reasonable man in this entire movie. <laughs> Just like the nerdy tech guy who's getting like uh, treated poorly by all of his friends. Um Anyway, they think they expel the demon, and it turns out they didn't actually. It was Satan himself coming to use the live stream, which has now racked up 12 million concurrent views, to, like, possess everyone watching the live stream. Uh, can I just uh, just take a step back to the sentence? It was Satan himself coming to use the live stream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what happened. <laughs> and so it ends it ends with like this because like the whole time the movie had this like slightly too like meta like here's like these people in this bar who are like groupies for this priest guy watching this and here's like cooks standing around a television watching and this lady live streaming on her phone on a road trip in Israel I don't know what the fuck was happening there there's like this yuppie couple in Israel their car broke down I don't understand what the commentary is there but all these people watching this stuff um end up getting possessed and like murdering the people next to them at the end of the movie in like a very like uh, Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead kind of like montage thing anyway oh. it was kind of dumb I didn't have a terrible time but it was really stupid <laughs> <laughs> Satan's coming through the live stream <laughs> Satan came through the live stream and he made like, everyone like, go Joker he, mode Satan literally like walks up to the camera sticks his face in the camera says some weird words and then bites a giant cable and disappears <laughs> Does it look like a uh, biblical Satan with the horns or is it just like a guy? Uh, let's see if I can find a picture of this Satan before I tell you um, what it, what it is. Because um, you will. This is. Uh... Okay, go, on. go ahead. No, no, I'm, I, you can uh, say what you I want. Say, the, pro- the problem is the and this is literally just me. I don't even know if anyone will have a reference for this, but I, I am imagining Satan in this movie as the version of Satan uh, the Blink-182 do on their live CD when they have Satan show up. Uh, here's a picture, here's a picture of Satan. Please describe this to the camera. Okay. Oh. <laughs> he looks like a gremlin almost with glowy eyes. Um, Very like greenish black skin. Very scaly. Um, glowy teeth. Yes. Uh, what this is, is if um, at the end of Tenacious D, the Pick of Destiny, they fought a Xenomorph. Yes, basically. <laughs> uh, and it's like a big it's like a big guy in a suit with like a lot of CG augmentation. Like, it, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool, but also it looks like the Predator in, in a way that like was very <laughs> distracting when he showed up. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When the thing you, you described in the movie, uh, like I was laughing at ha, but like... I was expecting Satan to be more abstractly depicted and not literally there Satan in a no, suit. No, it's literally, it's literal ass Satan. I thought they would realize, oh, the we're like being influenced by the power of hell. It must be Satan himself. And no, it's just this guy who comes up and says some secret code words. Yeah. Does no. anyone do anything more evil than just kind of start killing the people next to them? Or is it just that? Is it just like the most out of context I'm evil mode now? Uh one of the people who's watching live stream is like a little kid, uh, who is clearly like this there, when he's watching the stream, it like cuts to in where he's located is Washington, DC, and he's got he's he's got this like extremely rich family that feel like the English speaking characters in a Japanese language film. Uh but <laughs> this is this is an English film. Um 
But at the end, it turns out the kid is actually the president's son. And he rushes into the Oval Office and stabs his dad. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. Yes. It's really this movie dumb. sounds great. <laughs> um, I'm going to send you another photo of like the live stream, like HUD for this movie. Here you go. On the Twitch.tv. Yeah. You said he gets 500,000 concurrent views looking at this? Yes. <laughs> yes, regularly. <laughs> and he's mad about it. <laughs> he's not big enough? Hang on. He's a fucking paranormal streamer. Yeah. How much do paranormal streamers get on YouTube these days? Oh, um, also, uh, I have to send you the, the fucking, um, <laughs> his, like, merchandise. Um... Is that that CH logo down at the bottom? Yeah, but... <laughs> oh, his, like, gimmick is he's, like, a pope? He's, like, he's like I'm the Vatican's secret warrior. Chris Angel mind freak, but, like, a Catholic priest. <laughs> he's the guy from fucking, uh, uh Kaldelka. You know what, talking about this, this movie's pretty good. <laughs> it's really dumb, <laughs> but, like... The, the, <laughs> I had a uh, good time. There's a constant chat on screen, like, VTuber clips, like, you yes. know, he added the Twitch chat... At Pope Francis, ya bitch, real real prayer, cloth have special feeling. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's all incredible. The actual thing that I was disappointed about when you sent me the screenshot was realizing that because it's a modern horror movie, it's uh, color graded like this. Yes, no, it looks like shit. Um, the, the thing, I, I wish horror movies could figure out technology. Like, this movie is funny because it's about live streaming in a way that people running this clearly don't actually watch twitch don't know what the fuck a live stream what a popular live stream number is um but uh i wish they'd figure it out because it, it'd make the movies better if they weren't just this right <laughs> um instead it, it just re reads like person's most out of touch screed about like fake people on the internet um but you know what i had a pretty good time considering thinking about it now talking about it it's not a good movie but i had a good time destiny <laughs> hi what'd you watch i watched um a couple of things i watched gamera 2 oh yeah we're recording about that later this afternoon so i can't talk about that <laughs> look forward yeah. to that on your uncle's beach house <laughs> i really enjoyed it uh even though it wasn't as good as the first one uh then we watched detective pikachu which i enjoyed more <laughs> Detective Pikachu is weird because, like, I think the script is, like, genuinely pretty bad. Yes. But it's, like, leagues better than, like, Sonic. Uh, like, it's at least trying for something and is, like, interested in, like, exploring its world in a way that, like... The people who wrote this, I think, did a bad job, but they cared. The people who wrote Sonic didn't fucking care. Yeah, when you can tell you they care see... about Pokemon. When you see the Pokemon... Is yeah. it good? Like that? I guess. Like ignoring yes. the plot of the movie and the characters, does it look good to see the Pokemon? With like, yes. with like one exception, yes. Okay, then yes. They, that that's really the one thing that mattered. Every <laughs> time I saw Pokemon, thing. like a child, I went, "Oh, it's a Pangoro to Destiny over and over and over again." <laughs> yeah, no, no. The whole time what you're watching, it, you're like, "Oh, oh, oh!" Every time there's a Pokemon, and it's it, that's what makes it worthwhile. Um, they did Gengar real dirty. Gengar's gross in that movie. <laughs> Detective Pikachu Gengar Fucking sucks Everything else is good But I fucking hate their Gengar mm, What the fuck? Pokemon in the movie? Yeah My favorite Pokemon is Probably That's so weird Yeah that Gengar looks like a fucking Ghostbusters reject I hate it I fucking hate it <laughs> 
Gengar's cool. I don't know why they made him like that. There's this like scene where they don't really show the plant, the grass type. There's a grass type that's like barely in the movie, but like they make it ethereal and beautiful in this way that I didn't expect. <laughs> um, I can't think of what it's called. My Hold my on. thing, which one of you is as everyone? So the scene where he takes the Pokemon, like he takes Pikachu to the healer, and you can see like blurry. Um, I can't find the type of Pokemon it is that you can see, but there's like blurry ones floating in the background. Oh yeah, I don't remember who you're talking about, but I know what you mean. Okay, shit, I can't talk. Like I, I wish I could think of what Pokemon this was. Looking it's, at this, it's like. Um, there's a, like a lot of Pokemon. It's not all Gen 1, which I was kind of surprised by. I feel like, I felt like I was expecting the focus more on Gen 1, but it also feels like Nintendo licensed them like as much as 30 Pokemon and no more. <laughs> well, making a Pokemon model for this movie is going to yes, be no, like, a I mean, that's big the thing deal. is like the, the weird, like the, the pink fairy thing that's like a off-brand Chansey. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It's like somewhere between a Chansey and a Miltank. I never remember that thing's name. That thing is in like 18 shots in this movie, and they're different ones. They're different ones of those. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what the name yeah, of that thing can... is. It's too It's too modern. Uh, it is a, I just found the image. It is an Audino. A-U-D-I-N-O. Th- this thing is literally all over the movie. I don't know why people made this movie love this thing. I've never thought about this Pokemon <laughs> once in my life. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cute. Yeah, I know, but it's like in every crowd shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's weird. Um, but you know, it was a pretty good time. Uh, plot's really predictable. Um, you can't make your mystery. You like he's like trying to find out who killed his dad, whatever, whatever. You can't not show your dad's face and not obviously tip your hand as to what's going on in the movie. <laughs> Because they show flashbacks of his dad all the time, but it's always the back of his head in, like, this very obvious way. And you're like, damn, I wonder who that could possibly be. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but, you know, I had a decent time. Also, they they to- they genuinely play, like, Bill Nighy as, like, the big tech conglomerate guy might be a good guy for, like, half the movie. Uh, in a way that's like, you can't do this. You can't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. can't cast this man and make him the good guy. That is disappointing because, like, the thing, like... The thing they need, right, is to just make the Pokemon look good. And they did that. That's mm-hmm. clearly what matters. Yep. When, you, when you see a Pokemon, you go, ah, it's a Pokemon. And then, you know, they can make a bad movie around it. It doesn't matter. Yes. But the actual thing you would like is if the detective story was fun, like, and good. Yeah. I mean, there's like there's some bits do. that are really funny. Like, there's a whole bit around, like, a holographic recreation of, like, his dad's car crash death or whatever that Mewtwo caused. Uh, that they, they replay with different contexts as people learn new clues, like, four different times. Like, a fucking Star Trek <laughs> holodeck episode. It's really good on that level. <laughs> was it just while Mewtwo was escaping? <laughs> yeah. Did you just end up in the intro to uh, Pokemon, the first movie? Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes! Good. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of references to the original cartoon in a way that is almost obnoxious. But yeah, I wish they just made the world about. I wish the world was more like the world of actual ass Pokemon and not this weird thing that they like the self-aware world. Yeah, Yeah. because there's even a scene. Oh, go on. What is the world? The world is like. 
So, like, as far as I can tell, it's like, what if Pokemon seemingly existed in nature and everyone just kind of was, like, chill about it until 10 years ago, Bill Nye was like, I'm going to create a city where humans and Pokemon live together, despite the fact that Pokemon are actual-ass animals. You can't just have wild animals in your city. <laughs> the Snorlax interrupts traffic. Yeah, the Snorlax is sleeping in the middle of the street. You just got like a bunch of apalms hanging out in alleys. Like, like, what if, what if in the, what if instead of a rat problem, you had a monkey problem in New York City? <laughs> like, that's the world. That's the world they present, but it's just like played totally straight. It's almost like um, Roger Rabbit, like Toontown. Like, how do human, how do tunes and humans live together? They don't. The answer is you don't. You can't open this door and not have it be a problem. <laughs> I mean, so like. But is this, like, implied to be a city within, like, the world of Pokemon, or is this meant to be a separate world to... No, no, like, no, this is, this is like, no. this is very much like the real world has Pokemon in it. Yeah, okay. they're wild but, animals. But Pokemon trainers still exist, and Pokemon battles still happen, but you only see people right, talk about my... it, you don't really see them. <laughs> yeah, and okay. then the Pokemon battles in the city that the movie takes place in are illegal. Yeah, so they're just, like, they're literal dogfights in the movie. Oh, they, I hate fucking everyone. I hate <laughs> all these writers. They can't help themselves. Every single like Western writer doing one of these things does it every time. I hate them. Also, uh, I have to state, I, um, I'm i old now uh, because the leads in this movie are like 23 and 22, and I swear to God babies. they read a 16 to me. Babies. Children <laughs> and babies. It, it, um, it, like, literally the, the like love interest shows up and she's like, I'm a detective. I'm like, I'm like a reporter who wants to be like... You know, she's an intern at a news organization who wants to be a reporter. I'm like, you're like a 15-year-old who wants to be a detective. You're Harry the Spy. <laughs> Get out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I felt the same. They're very young. Um, but, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know, I, I, thought, I, thought the, I thought the, like, two leads were pretty good. Uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds is not super annoying. Um, no, he actually made me laugh a few times. Spoiler, when he shows up as a real person at the end of the movie, I'm like, damn, I want a movie about Ryan Reynolds as just like a grizzled detective because he's like, come by it earnestly now. <laughs> he shows up as a real person at the end of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. You know the twist like of that movie. It's his dad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> me Too unmerges their bodies and the Pikachu and Ryan Reynolds as a human are just people again. But I didn't think his dad would be Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he yeah. had like a, a cartoon older Pokemon dad. No. 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 These two are fucking babies. These are pe these are teenagers dressed up as actors in a movie. Nope, they were in their 20s I think when the movie was made. Yeah. Yep, they were. It's the kid from Jurassic World. It's, they were they were 22 and 23. What Come on. <laughs> yeah, we're just getting old. I was about to say, like, this guy's credited as a former Pokemon trainer and insurance agent. Like, how how young did he start that I remember how Pokemon works? I'm like, oh, 10. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, as a kid, he wanted to be a Pokemon <laughs> trainer, but then his mom died, and then he got sad, and then he got, like, obs like obnoxiously realistic, and he became a... Because the, the way that the movie depicts is, like, most people live in cities where, like, a Pokemon might wander in the same way a deer wanders into your town, but, like, no one interacts with Pokemon day to day. Well, it's but weird he, that he's not, he doesn't have a Pokemon partner. Like, yeah, but that's also, he literally, like, is an insurance agent in a town. Like, when they go to that, like, small town where, at the beginning of the movie, there's no Pokemon in that town. It's just people walking around. It's just Stars Hollow. 
That's true, but like it's implied that he's weird that he doesn't have a well, Pokemon when he gets, partner. When he gets, when he gets to the town, when he gets to the big city, because the city but is the all beginning about of, having a thing. But the beginning of the movie is his friend trying to get him a Pokemon because yeah, his leaving. friend is like a fake Ash Ketchum who like believes in Pokemon training, right? I guess I don't know. He literally has the red hat, and he's like, "Well, oh, I look. mean, yeah, no, he does." But like, he has a poke. Everybody has a Pokemon, but the main guy. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. The world is not consistent. <laughs> that, I'm asking questions about the world building of Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Um, but yeah, I must that, say, had a pretty good time with it. That Pikachu is cute as fuck. The Pikachu is pretty cute. Um, I wish that uh, I. It's weird because like I feel like by making them all furry and like scaled and uh, like by putting like realistic textures on them, they look faker than it could possibly be if they were just like CG Pokemon the normal way. I mean, I would have just like, I would love if this movie was just Rod rapting it. They should just draw some close. Pokemon put it on screen. I, I like the fur. I, it's just specifically like, I don't hate it. I just think that, like, the Pokemon look really fake in a way that's, like, really funny to me. Um, mm -hmm. Like, they go for realism and end up missing more than if it was just, like, CG models, I feel like. Or, like, like the way they look in the games. That makes sense. But it also, I, I understand immediately why, like, a Hollywood studio is going to make these decisions. Yep. This is how you lead to all the Sonic stuff as well. Hollywood doesn't give a shit about any of these things. Like, and I don't think, like, you know, they need to be more reverent about video games, but they should care about the things they're making. Uh, the actual best part is at the end where they do, like, the main character credits. Uh, they get, they do Pokemon trainer version, like, art of all of the characters in the movie, and that's sick as hell. Oh, fuck! Yes! <laughs> yes! yes! <laughs> that's Yeah, good. this movie is worth your time if you care about Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, um, there was a Pokemon Direct yesterday, and I was like, oh, maybe I, I still kind of care about Pokemon a little bit, not enough to pay $60 for Pokemon Sword or Shield, but I'll watch Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> and I had a good time. Yep. Uh, is that everything? I believe yeah. that's everything. Okay, so let's get to our movie club a half hour later. <laughs> Yeah, it's time to spend less time talking about Paris of Burning than we did about the <laughs> uh, The movie club this week is uh, Paris is Burning, which is the 1990 documentary uh, directed by Jenny Livingston about uh, the ball culture of New York City um, and the various drag queens and queer folk inside of it. Um, and, you know, this is a movie's a classic. It's hard, it's hard to, like... It's hard to overstate how influential this movie is uh, to the point mm -hmm. where it's weird because, like, they introduce a bunch of slang that everyone just uses or knows now or some slang that just has, like, fallen out of favor. Like, people reading each other is cringe unless you're actually in drag. You can't say that. <laughs> it's past its time. Yes. People still read. But I know. Yeah, I know. But, like, the way, like, it briefly hit the culture and everyone's like, no, you can't do this one. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did. People were like, no, no, that, that doesn't work. Whereas, like, people just say shade. It's like it's a normal yeah. word, right? And no one has, I mean, not no one, but that is not a word that people necessarily understand has a history when they use it. Yeah. To the point where then there was, like, two white people that had a podcast called Throwing Shade. And it's yes. like, what? <laughs> also, just, like, the concept of realness. Like, I don't even think of that as slang. That's just something that's, like, embedded in language now. Yeah, mm -hmm. it. but it started here in the ball yep, scene. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's just about the lives of a bunch of people who work, who are in these balls in, in what is it, 87 and 89? Yeah, 87 and 89. It took her seven years to film it because they kept running out of money. Yep. 
um, and it, just interviews and shots of the, you know, the balls and people out on the streets and what their lives are like and uh, a dramatic coda, a tragic coda right at the end and everything you want out of one of these movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to give a little context around the filming, but you yeah, talk no, no, first. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, like, Jenny Livingston uh, was in film school. Or no, she wasn't in film school. She was in, she was taking a class and they had an assignment, or I don't know if it was film school or what, but she was taking a class and they were given an assignment to do a documentary subject. And she walked around Washington Square Park and saw some people voguing and just asked them what it was. And that's how she got introduced to the ball scene. They were like, go come to the ball. So she went to a ball and met a bunch of people and decided to just film them and that's how this came about okay yeah yeah uh so i'd seen this movie just you've seen this movie a bunch right like i know you i've it seen it at least twice before we watched it yeah. uh for the for the podcast yeah, I had watched this movie maybe like 10 years ago, probably a little less than that. And I remember the time uh, I was just not ready. I was a different, literally a different person going by a different name, different identity at that yes. point. Um, and I remember like enjoying it, but like, you know, in the way that you enjoy a documentary, uh, it was it was a lot different re- watching it this time in like with a better sense of like history and context for, uh, you know, gender and queerness and culture. Um it's it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, man, things really haven't changed that much, have they? <laughs> but also, it's fundamentally different. <laughs> yes. Things have yeah. both stayed the same and also changed a lot. Yes. Um, this, uh, like, the, the goals are huge, but also the, like, core issues are identical. Everyone's still going through it in the same way. Um, and I think the movie is, like, a really, uh, like, incredible portrait of this stuff. Uh I, I really enjoyed it. I hadn't seen it before. I had like heard about it, uh, but uh, I hadn't ever actually like watched it. And um, I was I was glad that I I liked it so much. I guess. Yeah, I um, came to it not really knowing what it was about, but I just remember being blown away by how resilient and like I don't know what word I want to use, but. It just, when you get to see, like, your history as, like, a queer person of color, and it's so, like, alive and vibrant, it's just so cool. Like, and I know it's not a perfect movie by any means, but there's just something about this being captured that is so magical to me, and... Apparently, there's like tons of ballroom footage shot for this movie that was donated to the like UCLA film archive that I wish they would like release to the public because th- having that like is invaluable, especially since we lost so many people over the years. And like a lot of the people involved with this movie aren't alive anymore. And I don't know, just see- having like a time capsule of that is so valuable to me. Mm-hmm. absolutely uh it's interesting for me because like as someone who like didn't come out until their 20s or whatever um like drag culture to me has always been rupaul's drag race right like it's just a yes like the 
four straight consumption capitalist version of this thing was the culture as far as I've ever seen it. Right. And so engaging with this movie where it isn't about that it is it is literally the people who are like invented this thing who are scrappy and like, you know, shoplifting their dresses to compete because they're all, you know, starving, like teenagers and 20 somethings, uh, like barely living, like getting by in New York City uh, in, when New York City was like, you know a grimier city or whatever uh, is so, is so different than my perception of this thing. Um, and reminds me that like, you know, the, the queer experience being like steamrolled by capitalism happened. <laughs> yeah. Partially it was, you know, this movie is in the eighties and there's a whole bit about like, they want like a couple of them go to like this supermodel, uh, like recruitment show and are talking to like the old lady who is like literally like you know, the old money culture who gets to be like uh, magnanimous towards all the girls coming because of course she is. She's rich. She has all the power. She can do that. Uh, you know, she, she, she feels like Reaganism, <laughs> that lady. Yes. Um, Are you talking about Eileen Ford? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the head of the Ford modeling agency. Yes. She just comes across as like this, like generational gulf that comes when you have power and money, right? Like she gets to be nice because of course she has millions of dollars. She runs her own company. Mm hmm. Um, and like the thing she says is like, no one wants to know what your issues are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it just like, you see how those people got to co-op this culture and like people like RuPaul come up in this culture and like make it big, but in a way that like destroys these people doing that thing, like, or like makes it harder for them to get by because you can't compete with the television reality show. Right. Yes. Well, so the thing that int that was like really interesting to me watching this movie is that like, um, obviously uh, cartoonishly, like, right. My big reactions were in the like class reading stuff. And I think there's a really fascinating thread through this movie of like everyone, in these culture is like bound by a class solidarity of being very poor in new york city and it's like you know and oppressed for being queer uh um <coughs> and so they're like bound by this class solidarity but no one talks about it in those terms everyone is like when people are when this movie edits like dreams and like the ideas that these people have about what this means to them, the language they use is always in idea like very eighties Reaganite ideas of individual success, which I assume has to be like some kind of filmmaker bias here, because I know for a fact that like the you know people understood this stuff right like uh, and and so it just like it, it, uh, I was I was interested by that right like the um. In the scenes, the people who are the victims of this, right? There's a uh, desire to emulate this thing that you've been barred from, is what they talk about a lot, and she talks about in the uh, early segments with the categories, mm -hmm. uh, and and yeah. So I just I found it really fascinating the the way that like there were that like everyone's desire was for like their own like picture of. Uh, fame, right? Mm. As in, like, 80s individual fame. Yeah. For sure. I don't disagree. It, it's really because, like, partially this comes because the ball seat is its own, like, niche, right? Like, there's there's the yes. there's the group there that does, like, the, the like, troop uniform drag, right? That, Military like, drag. Yeah, there's, like, 
it's 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 the eighties. Like there's definitely groups that would have would have not let those people into their spaces because you're dressing up like the fucking feds. <laughs> One of them I don't, like that that comes across in like some of the early like things where the older people are talking about like some of these kids, man, they don't know what this is. Also, it's really funny that the the one who does like the military drag is the one person like. There's a difference between the tell. people who buy their dress and the people who shoplift their dress. So I'm like, man, fucking yeah. cop mentality never dies. That never guy dies. was actually in the military. I found that out. Okay, because he was, and he, he was actually in the military, and he was married to a woman at the time, and he said he got caught by his like military buddies. Because the night that they followed him to the ball, because he, he kept leaving to, for the city, and they were like, what's he doing? And the night that he got caught, uh, and I think discharged from the military, they caught, because it was the night that, that they did, uh, the category Queen, Butch Queen's first time in drag, and everybody had to wear drag in that house, the Pendabas house that he was in. And <laughs> so, like, that, I thought that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you get like you get characters like uh, Venus Extravaganza and Octavia St. Laurent who literally want like the traditional like American like wifehood basically that yeah, is, that is white closed off fence. to them yeah yeah, um, yeah it's really interesting um, which is which is which is like you know it's valid uh, you, you, I mean you still see that in these in like modern spaces right like some people just want to be able to live their lives like the, the normalcy that was sold to them growing up right and I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that uh, everyone no. like you know um, anti staunch anti capitalist here and that that lifestyle doesn't exist without capitalism unfortunately but um, right yeah it's it, not my it's, kind it's a, of it, it's aspiration. Such a big, it's such a big departure from like Willy Ninja is just a man who existed before JoJo's that exemplifies JoJo's aesthetic. That man I'm needed to be around to watch Naruto and be really into Naruto. Yes. <laughs> he wants to but, go to but, Japan and bring voguing to Japan and I bless him. Love it. <laughs> but the, the reason I think this is like definitely like intentional filming on the like uh, framing on the filmmakers part is that like they always focus on the people whose desires are like we want these kind of like beautiful traditional dreams but we've been barred from them and that is the like appeal here and why uh, the ball's taking off and that's kind of like the argument the movie's making but people definitely get close to the like language of like actual class understanding in like the shoplifting segment when he's talking about like yeah we did this we stole this thing we we ate for two hundred dollars and the, the way that this works like there is clearly more understanding than the film is framing right yes uh, of the actual class dynamics of play all the interviews with Freddie Pendavis who is literally the best character in this movie uh so good just, just yes like, just like someone who doesn't give a fuck gonna steal everything exists in the space and is like aware that sometimes it's a little ridiculous but this is what we got like this is what we're building together like it just feels like. It's a very like brash, like young person's version of like solidarity, but it's still there. It's like a real thing. Yes. Um, and it's yes. really good. Uh, and he's also the person who's like clearly like thinks that the, the like Jane Livingston is corny as fuck asking these questions. <laughs> yes. But the bit where he says, uh, my favorite in the movie, if uh, they change the system at this restaurant so I can't uh, steal food anymore. Roy Rogers, a restaurant that I'm pretty sure Roy doesn't Rogers. exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Google Roy Rogers. Yeah, I have no idea if that exists, and I I don't know much about it. Oh, but it's still, that they, they still got a website. Yeah, they're just did a they, northeastern thing. Did they change Again. the way they do the food? <laughs> I'm sure they did. I'm sure they, they did. I bet they did. Yeah, uh, Freddie Pendavis is on the commentary uh, for this movie that was uh, recorded, I think, 
mm, right before Willie Ninja died, and Willie Ninja's there, mm. and Jenny Livingston and the editor, and yeah, like invaluable insights. Didn't want to actually be filmed because he was like, "I'm a behind the scenes guy. I just help backstage." And then uh, there was just, you know, how could you not want that guy in your movie? Yes. It's this one of those movies where like it, it kind of sucks because like everyone interviewed in this movie is like basically almost everyone's dead now. Um just a bunch of ghosts. Like AIDS fucking ran roughshod over all these this entire cast, right? Like you look through the people credit and it's like, man, nineties were not kind to everyone in this movie. No. 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 Like it both like the culture died, right? Like in many ways because But of like the like a lot of these also, houses the still human exist. beings like, these, act, these, Yeah, the houses yeah, in the balls live on. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not saying like I'm not saying that like like went away, right? But I'm saying like the culture changed, and that's kind of the narrative. But it's also important to remember that the human, the actual human beings, died. A lot of them, yes, in like a mm-hmm. very real way. This is not made up. And I, I think the way that the movie, um, uh, like ha- hammers the home at the end is s- smarter than I expected going in because I was I was expecting there to be some like tragic AIDS ending to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I liked that the choice to uh like you know the tragic uh death in the film uh of venus which is like really sad and like hard-hitting when it comes is consciously framed as like you know actual violence done by the world to these people this is not like abstract viruses right tearing through people in like some kind of like you know misery porn that you're watching right like this is actual violence being done to countless people uh and all of it is that right it like draws a line to me between people dying from aids and people dying from like you know uh just violence in hotels from fucking transphobic assholes um it's weird though right because like it talks about that stuff and i think that's i think that framing is really good where like you have to see people react to the part where like the murder of people in this community is like a, a thing they are like almost immune to because it happens so often they have to live with yeah. it. But it also yeah, the way, sp- Oh, go ahead. No, the way Angie talks about just casually like, oh, they just showed me a picture of her murdered. And like, you can tell this isn't her first go around. Yeah. But uh, it but- doesn't come. Ac- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it doesn't come across as like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's still sad. You go, you go, you talk. The thing, the thing that doesn't happen though is the, the movie doesn't talk about the part where like AIDS and like the murder of queer people and like trans people. Like, there isn't a lot of talk of transness much in this movie. Like, there's a couple people, mm-hmm. but it's weird how much that's not in the language yet. Um, just looking back, um, is those are structural failures of a system that like yes. sets these people up to be murdered, whether it's through medical mm-hmm. inaction or like access or like the police, like cause driving people out into the economic systems, drive people to sex work that they aren't protected by because the cops don't care or perpetrating the violence against the workers. Right. Like right. the movie has yeah. no awareness of this shit. I, I don't know if that's entirely true. I don't think I that's think, true, but I can't tell if that's just me, know, you know, knowing that stuff and bringing it to the film, because you could totally watch this right and just be someone like touristing your way through this kind of uh, exotic portrayal of a scene you're not part of, right? It's like a, you know, if you're a white person in the nineties watching this, like a suburban guy or whatever, right? That could you're not going to necessarily pick up on those ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I get that, but I, I do think it's there, right? Like you know, they they often I think, cut I think back the characters to the, in the movie the are I, the people in this movie are aware of that. I don't think Jenny Livingston's aware of that. 
Maybe not. Oh. I don't think I don't think the way the movie is edited together expresses an awareness of that. I think the people are like trying to talk about it, but like I don't think she's listening. That hmm. that might be true. But she does like cut to like pictures of like, you know, uh edits of people going to offices, people living their lives, these two cities right next to each other, right? Like uh the the actual executives exist in this world and they like are on the same trains is yeah. like a point this movie is still making. That, yeah, that's still I, her doing this. I, I I think that the yearning and capturing that yearning to be something that you're not like kind of but sells like, that. Also um, the only scene about sex work in this movie is Venus kind of like because she's so young talking around it and like apologizing for the people that she's like were like you know that are her clients you don't ever you don't ever get the people talking about like no this like this is what happens like the, that's the people that's come here not the only scene uh what other there's one? also the there's the very very good scene which i think um i'm surprised I made it in because it's the one where jakey's fucking badgering this lady thing what what are the working girls why are they working? Oh, that one yes yes <laughs> and the yeah she's just not giving it up she's like what are you fucking sure, asking me but like there's nothing about the part where like you know people the sex works dangerous work because because of yes. the way it's illegal right it's not like yes. it could be better but it's not because of systems right like there's no awareness yes. of like sex work as a labor condition which I, no. every sex worker knows this up and down. Like these people could give them that information. Like this could be in the movie, even in even in the era it came out in. Like people weren't yeah, unaware I, of this shit. And that's why my what my reaction was what it was, right? Like all this class stuff exists, and the people in the movie are definitely aware of it because they live that life every day. Mm. And the uh, the focus of the movie does tend to be on the more like you know just generic juxtaposition yeah. of here's like the the good the traditionally thought of as like good uh, rich white life and here's the like queer black life that is different but like yearning for this thing that they've been kept out of and but it doesn't ask questions of what the like either of those things mean and why that exists right the, yeah the scene the scene where that lady is not telling her that like yeah some of these people are out there doing sex work to me reveals like the people in this movie are like interested in telling their stories to Livingston, but aren't going to trust her with like that. Like, no. right. She's an outsider coming in and there's certain things you just don't trust this. Like, you know, fucking white lady walks into your space trying to film you with. Uh, yeah. As, yeah. You shouldn't. No, <laughs> no that's you fair. Shouldn't, but it's, it's interesting to watch the ways in which the movie like falls down when like, it just feels like, and part of it is because like, she often leaves in parts where she's like trying to get like, ask people questions in a way that feels kind of like badgering and i i, I compare that to like uh the decline of western civilization movies that we watched like by the third one of those movies she literally like adopts half the kids and is like going out of her way to like insert herself in these lives because she can't not because she's seen too much of the suffering that the, these systems cause and you don't get a, mm -hmm. any sense of that here like there's i think there is like a touristy element to the structure that thankfully the people involved are like aware of to the point where you know that they know and it makes the movie really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is like the documentaries, but like it's, it's definitely present in this one more than like the last documentary we covered. Yes. And I think by showing that world, like hopefully when you watch it now, like, I don't know, like, it is informed by these things, and I think that it, I think it's really obvious. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. 
I just think it's interesting watching this movie, the friction between like the people in the movie and the person making the movie, I think is like really evident. It's not like a problem, Absolutely. but it's just there. Like, And I definitely didn't sense that the first time I watched it. Like, I think it took me a couple of views before I sensed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this stuff I definitely didn't pick up when I watched this movie like 10 years ago, right? Like, just different in terms of like understanding the dynamics at play here. But it's also like a very kind of hands-off movie in that it like doesn't spend any very long on any subject right it, it bounces yes. through its sections very quickly and so it allow so this tension i think works well here i, I mean well as like a you know watching experience not as like a it's okay or whatever you know not in a moral judgment but like it makes the watching the movie interesting because it is really just like a sequence of like a sections of like platforms for you to like think about right they don't it doesn't go deep in any subject it, it like introduces all these things has a couple of comments on them cuts but like you know really tries hard on like cutting between different viewpoints and then just like keeps moving so i do i think the movie like allows you to like sit with these ideas in a way that is uh uh probably better because it it doesn't have the ability the ability to be didactic about any of it and it knows that because it Mm. it just doesn't have the awareness as a film just lets people talk yeah yeah for sure Uh, did you look up Dorian Corey after this movie? Did you find out the thing about Dorian Corey? Who's like the no. older person who like she's oh, just like putting on her makeup the entire time? I remember like I didn't do it after we watched it recently, but I did when I first saw the movie and her life story is wild. So Dorian Corey ends up dying of, at 93 of like AIDS complications, whatever. But after that, they discover that she just had a dead body along her belongings for like 15 years. It's like a mummified what? body. <laughs> Who supposedly me? was like maybe like an abusive partner that she shot and then just kept the body around? Yeah, fair enough, I guess. Yeah. Yep, the preserved body of Robert Worley was found amongst Corey's belongings. It appeared <laughs> that he had died from a gunshot wound to the head and he had been dead for 15 years. Powerful, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Uh, yeah her sequences like talking about like having been in this culture for so long mm-hmm. are so good um the the sense of like things already have like because this is like a portrait of an era that at this point is like now important history but like even in its own documentation is like oh people here who remember like the 60s and 70s and that was also a different world yes and the changing of the times and how all these things like uh you know just it all it all goes in cycles mm-hmm. if you have american netflix check out the documentary the queen which is about a 60s a 1960s new york uh pageant a drag pageant and you can see like how yeah they all started like the showgirl look or, or not like that was the look that was kind of in vogue and then it became like it just changes so much but like it's a good sense of the history before of the same sort of culture, but before uh, Paris is burning. Yeah, you said that uh, what was it, Crystal LaBeja, who's mentioned in this movie, is in that movie, right? Yeah, the the, the founding mother of the House of LaBeja, Crystal LaBeja, is in uh, The Queen. And does some good reading. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just like, the history is so... It, it's It's... I'm just thankful for film. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other thing is that, like, you know, 
we have specific like class readings of the movie but even like more abstractly than that and this isn't really to do with the film so much as just history every single movie about a city like new york but many other cities is being watched in 2021 fundamentally about gentrification the city doesn't exist anymore yeah <laughs> like it is wild i'm like i don't obviously don't live there but i know enough people who, like that city doesn't exist anymore it totally fucking disappeared uh and obviously like you know not everyone got kicked out not everyone you know, space some faces still exist and you know it's not it's not total as ever it's never total eradication of culture the culture always survives in some level but that's you know what i mean right like there's um, still houses because there's still no support yes. system for like queer people of color the balls still exist a lot of those houses still stand strong. Like, I just saw a thing about the 25th anniversary of the house extravaganza. Um, so it's, 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 the city's different, but like. Yeah, obviously the, yeah. But the thing, the, more there. than the stuff in the bulls was like this, this, the, like everyone hanging out on like the pier and other like public places which i'm like a bunch of these are just going to be like trendy fucking like you know bar towns at this point right like um, yeah I, you don't know for sure because i don't know the specifics but like you know new york <laughs> it, it happened hard <laughs> uh, do we have anything else one of the most interesting things I didn't know about this movie that I learned through the commentary is there were like a bunch of categories of the ball that she left out and she mostly left out the ones having to do with like lesbians and cis women because she thought that the audience would find it too confusing. Uh, that doesn't surprise me because I was like, a bit weird there's less of that stuff because <laughs> like, you can see them there in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, they're but, in the movie, and I think it's interesting, but I'm sad that that was cho like picked to be left out. Because mm -hmm. that's like another history that you don't really get to hear a lot about. Uh, absolutely. But I think I think unless we have anything else, we're probably done. It's probably a podcast. Yeah, like an hour. we've got we've got we've got some questions though. Uh, sorry. Oh yeah, I, I, let I'm me have them questions. Uh, sorry, my back hurts today, so I've been muting and stretching. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, if you want to send a pod uh, emails, podcast at normalmapping dot com. Uh, our first one's from Alex. Uh, I definitely heard of this documentary, but I never saw it until now. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of feelings. Let's see. If you could have a little uh, a title card cut in and slang term explanation scene happen in a movie about your life, what term would you need people explaining? Uh, just references to all the fucking Simpsons I watch and or watched as a kid and all the podcasts that I listen to that have affected my speech. I don't really have a specific word though. Jackson, what's our slang that people need to know? Well, I mean, it's going to be like horsebag or something. Like it's just... We haven't said horsebag in literal years. <laughs> I guess so. I guess we haven't said horsebag in years, but it's going to be something along those lines. <laughs> horsebag. <laughs> horsebag. Yeah, I feel like hoisted is self-explanatory. No one needs to know about hoisted. Yeah. 
Hoisted. Yeah, hoisted was the first one that came to mind, but I'm like, it's not unique <laughs> to me now. Like, that's a whole... It's also obvious. Like... Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, we've had to explain to the Discord, this was a little before, I don't know, maybe people, <laughs> about the idea of, like, before ideology or without ideology as, like, a term we toss around <laughs> yes yes we have had that come up on people saying but like doesn't people ideology or just like yeah we're just joking about like the old internet where everyone was saying the r word all the time it was a different time different eventually world. you just read too many books and you can't you can't not think about things this way anymore and then then, then you have ideology sorry <laughs> <laughs> yep that's probably the one that springs to mind the most I don't know. I try not to think about what our like, like vocabulary ticks are in terms of like in jokes and references because I feel like if we started that, it just drive me crazy. Well, yeah. Every time someone's brought that stuff up to me, I start like going ah about it. But I guess people can say, tell me in the Discord what they are because mm -hmm. I I can't think of them. I just say them. Right, that's just my life. Yes, <laughs> but I'm well, sure other people notice them. Yeah. Uh, then we have some questions from Tron. Uh, who's your favorite person or interview segment in this documentary? Freddie, I love Freddie, right. and I love uh, Dorian Corey and the long shots of her putting on her makeup and just talking about how it used to be. Yep, Jackson. I'm, I was mean same answer. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts He's about drag scared. in general? Uh, Tron asked because seen tensions online between trans non-binary folks and drag, which yeah, I mean, let's yes. let's get ourselves canceled. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing we talked about. Is that like when people are talking about this now, they are often talking about the tension between like uh, trans people in their own spaces and then like RuPaul's Drag Race type cis people uh, using. Um, drag in order to like to at least being perceived as like you know uh taking space away uh and making profit off of like the lives of trans people uh without any of the risk and this is a real tension that exists and that's like the discourse now but uh this is showing such a different space that i didn't feel any of that tension here i guess yeah this is a like this is a queer and often very trans space even if the language isn't there yeah but that's what the space yeah. is yeah yep, exactly sure. Uh, what's most interesting? Term you learned from watching this documentary? I feel like I knew all all these have filtered in the culture. This Banji, that's new to me. Like that's so eighties. It is. Very that 80s. is very eighties. Yes, but it was less like uh being surprised at the term or being like thankful to hear the actual history of terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and they're older than the movie presents, which is so exciting to me as a language nerd. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the thing is like this movie definitely feels like ah oh, these kids invented this stuff and everyone's literally going no we didn't We've, we we're like a generational group already <laughs> like we yep. came from people who were already yes. here <laughs> yep that's the best part about it it's beautiful um and this is probably only for Destiny have you been to a drag show I feel like you probably have I've been show. to not a traditional drag show I went to a queer burlesque. I've seen a couple of queer burlesque shows that had drag performers in them, but I've never been to like a tried and true drag night. Um, I enjoy drag. I um, uh, like obvious problematic elements. Just they're there. Um, 
and I try not to engage with the parts of drag that are gross. I try to, like, only go to trans-inclusive drag things, and yeah. so that's that's been my experience with it, um, locally at least, and uh, I think it's fucking cool. Yeah. Have I you never been to a drag show? No, I just don't go places. Why would I have gone to a drag show? I've yeah, been me and I'm outside. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, no. Anything that can like open your mind to what could the like, possibilities could be is very, like that's always been like at the heart of it for me. Mm-hmm. Also, like the difference in like one being non-binary and also coming out online is like dragness feels like weaponized gender in a way that like I'm trying to get the fuck away from. <laughs> Mm, yeah that's yeah that's a good point um which is not like you know if people like drag that's fine but like it's 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 a different experience when you're coming at it with like uh like i think gender is a violence even when it's like celebratory um and is bad (laughs) yep uh but i don't know it's complicated uh anyway that's it for emails oh were you gonna say something jackson No, I'm just agreeing with you. Okay. Uh, podcast at normalmapping.com if you'd like to send emails about this or anything else. Uh, next time, we're going to watch M, the Fritz Lang movie. You, I, I'm assuming it's on Criterion. I don't know. You can get it. You can get it. I know you can get it. Um, <laughs> they show it in film schools. You, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's big enough for a film. Uni. I'm sure it's on any site you want to find your movies. So that's what's important. YouTube. Is it it's on, on YouTube? HBO oh, it's Max. It's on YouTube. I guess it's slightly. I guess it's not public domain yet. Thirty-one. It's close. I don't know I mean, when the, where year. the slider is for that. Or it's seventy-five. It might be. It's on HBO Max if you have HBO Max. Okay. I'm specifically meaning people who are going to download it because they don't live in America. We have all listeners who that's true for. It's on YouTube. I'm not really okay, concerned good. about people in America getting hold of any movie. We got everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's fucking true. <laughs> um. Anyway, plugs, Destiny. At Fridge Was Now on Twitter. And uh, my other podcast is called Badline Girls. We're about to record after this. Uh, it can be found at abnormalmapping.com slash Badline Girls. Jackson. You can find me at headfullsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and M do at abnormalmapping.com. Please go listen to them. There are a bunch of cool ones, including Abnormal Mapping, our game club. Uh, we just did an episode on Kodelka, and it was good. It's sick. This is a good year of podcasts. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash normalmapping. Uh, for $5 a month, next month, we are starting, I guess it'll be this month when this comes out, uh, we are starting a new movie podcast monthly of me and Jackson watching uh, Hollywood blockbusters of some variety and then talking about them. Um, it's going to be like a way more like bullshitty show. Just off, I guess this episode was kind of like that. Like the, If you like the first 25 minutes of this podcast, you're going to be <laughs> right at home with that podcast. Uh, the first episode will, will be out in like tomorrow, I think, as this goes up, uh, about Jurassic Park. Unless something happened with recording. Who knows? We haven't recorded it yet. Um, it'll be about Jurassic Park. And then after that, we'll pick. We're going to do Snyder Cut that way. Um, and there'll be other things besides. So it'll be, it'll be exciting. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and yeah, of course. Uh, if you support us, helps us uh, live and eat and pay rent, shit like that. The important stuff. Yep. 
Uh, well, oh, it. also, also, uh, we have, uh, it's mostly anime. Your uncle's beach house is our anime watch along podcast, or whatever. But we, on Friday, will be an episode with our friend Casey about, uh, Gamera 2 Attack of Legion, which is a fucking great kaiju movie. So look forward to that. That's everything. Movies, now more than ever. Do not expect to like them. You know, they're pretty good, actually. I don't know. They're pretty good. I'm enjoying them. <laughs> I enjoy them. His dad was a secret Nazi. That's it. We're done. That's it. That's the final line. <laughs> His dad was a secret Pikachu.